0: You just have a, a bond, a connection. Well, I had the privilege of meeting Dr. Gail Satchel for the first time. Was it last Monday, sis? Or Monday for last? Mon- Monday for last. And uh, she addressed uh, the pastor's conference for the Colbert Lauderdale Baptist Association and just opened her heart uh, and opened her vision to some blessings, uh, the likes that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um especially about this issue about having God back in our schools. Um, Dr. Gail Satchel is the superintendent of the Colbert County School System. Uh, she has eight schools under her jurisdiction, if you will. And Dr. Satchel will be introducing a pilot program that can accomplish what we've been praying for. We've been praying for God to be back in schools, haven't we? Well this is something that we can be involved in. Uh, this may be the very answer to our prayers and if you will attend tonight's business meeting we're actually going to discuss further and vote to provide some financial support that will help, help make Dr. Satchel's vision a reality uh, in our area and it will also help answer our prayers. How many of you know that many times we just got to get real and put rubber to the road. Amen. A lot of times we pray and we pray and we pray, but you know what? The answer to our prayers are found in the mirror. Amen. Would you agree with that? So we want our prayers to become a reality, and I'm not going to say anything more because she's getting ready to bless you. Uh, But uh, if you would, give a good Bethel welcome to Dr. Gail Satchel. Come on up, Sid.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Is it on? Is it, is it on? Good good morning. Good morning. Okay. Um, for, Brother Bill, thank you. Um, if I get emotional, it's because um God has um, asked that I share my testimony and uh, he's never asked me to do that before. And um so I'm still getting used to this. And um, so I ask that you pray with me. I, I do thank Brother Barlow for believing in me. Um, and thank you for giving me an opportunity. Um, to uh, come to you and ask for your support um, so that we can get prayer back into school. Now, if any student like me, young adult like me, um, prayer never left for me because I always pray before my test. (laughs) And I always pray before report cards. So so it never left me. Um, I do want to thank my husband for being here, Melcha. He is a principal at uh, Carver County High School. Our son, MJ, he's a student. Um, How many of you are in the band? Any kids are in the band? Yay! He's a drum major at Carver County High School, so we'll see you guys out there. Uh, We're excited uh, for the new year. I'll start with Proverbs 22 and six, to start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And I'll start with my testimony and I need you to hear my story because what I'm gonna ask you to do at the end, it'll all make sense to you. You see, according to stats, I was an at-risk child in school, both secondary and post-secondary. I had nothing going for me, according to research. Black, female, raised by a single parent, and that wasn't by her choice. My father was killed in the Vietnam War. You see, I was born in September, and he was killed the following January, so I left my mom as a single parent. We were low-income. That means that I received free lunch. My sister received free lunch. The summer, going into my senior year, I got a part-time job, and they said because I made money, uh, we didn't got on reduced lunch, so we were, um, we were poor. You may not know what low income is defined as, but it's working families, but those earnings are twice the low below poverty level as defined by the federal government. So my mom had a a time providing for us. So again, I go back to saying that the odds were against me. And not only were the odds against me, I felt like God was against me you ever thought that God is against me? You know, now, God never blessed me with a nice talent. You know the ones I'm talking about. Those who could sing. Those who could dance. Those writers. I mean, they could just make things flow off their tongue and onto the paper. That wise businessman or businesswoman or Steve Jobs, those type of people. Or what about a stunning athlete with a stunning body? That was never me. God just didn't give me those talents. As a matter of fact, God's plan allowed me to be sexually molested when I was 14 by my mother's boyfriend. My mom had gone out. She asked him to babysit us, and I've known him forever. He's been around my life forever. And um. J- One Friday night, I can remember like yesterday, he decided that he wanted to molest me. So, I thought God had left me. But I kept moving, I kept going. I went off to college. Had a friend, I thought he was an awesome friend. We grew up in similar environments. Um, Both were raised with single parents. We both wanted to have better for our lives. And um, he date raped me. It was textbook. I was hurt, didn't understand it, didn't know what date rape was all about, had heard about it. They had taught us about it in college, we had meetings. I was scared. I didn't see a way out. I didn't see a future. And I was drowning. Mm. When I say I was drowning? I was drowning before I even turned 20. And the worst part, the worst part of all of this, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. And for decades, I mean decades, I carried my burden that was hidden in my heart and on my shoulders. No one, no one I felt like I could talk to. No one presented themselves as someone that Gail could talk to. As a matter of fact, it got so bad for me that I blocked both instances out of my, my memory. I couldn't remember any of it. And that's how I, I coped. That's how I feel like I started healing, because for me to heal from that, I felt like it was just time to get rid of it. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I was ashamed, and I was scared, and I believed that no one cared about me. I was a sad little girl. I was a sad young adult. Now, my mom, I know she loves me, and I know she still loves me. and She is alive and well today. Well, you see, my mom was brought up in a horrible environment. My grandmother had 12 kids. My mom was seven. And they truly had to raise themselves. When I say they were poor, truly they were poor. And so my mom never had that love. And being right there in the middle, you want the oldest in God's stuff, and you want the the, at the tail end. So uh, she was never taught how to love. She was never shown love. And therefore, to this day, she doesn't know how to love. And that's hard. She rejoices in my pain. She celebrates my failures. And she laughs at my brokenness. And to this day, my mom will not hug me, or my son, or my husband more than two minutes. And one day, a couple years ago, I just started kind of timing how she hugs. And hugs doesn't have a time, but for me, I just wanted to see, was it just me? I remember very vividly, I came before the church and I accepted God as my Savior in Jesus Christ. Amen. Very defining yeah. moment in a young person's life. And I was crying and I was just shedding tears of joy. Number one, because Jesus said, Gail, you have a right to the, to the kingdom of life. Yes and that you're going to be in my family forever. And I was so happy, so happy. The second thing I was excited because I said, okay, now my mom has to love me. Mm. She has to love me because I am a part of this international kingdom that God has for me. And the same kingdom that she said she was a part of. And the only thing I can remember, outside of being saved that day, my mom holding me and she said, Gail, let go. Let go. I'm going to sit down right now. But that's okay. Because you see, on July the 27th, 2017, at the meeting with the Carver Lauderdale Baptist Ministers Association meeting, God said, Gail, I want you to share your testimony. And you know, God doesn't give us, God doesn't play fair. Let's just be real. (laughs) God doesn't play fair. So he said, share your testimony. And I say, for Lord, why now? Why me? And can I have a plan B? Please don't make me go and talk in front of all these men that I've never had contact with before. I don't think it's the right time. Mm. That entire morning, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't rest. And he said, no, I want you to share your testimony. As a matter of fact, um, my husband may be surprised because I've never shared my testimony in public that he's been a part of. So he's hearing my testimony for the first time in public. So God asked me, he kept saying, you got to do this, Gail, you got to do this, because they won't get what you're asking for until you share your testimony. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy. I was not happy at all. It was a long morning. I mean, I tell you, 10 o'clock could not get here fast enough for me. It just took like it took for days to get there. Why didn't I want to share my testimony? Because I was still ashamed. Mm. I was still ashamed. I didn't want people to let my past overshadow my future what was going on and i wasn't ready i wasn't in my comfort zone but somehow i forgot to tell the world that god had a plan for me and all those things that happened, he brought it back to me in jeremiah 29 and 11 he says for i know the plans i have for you (laughs) declares the lord plans to prosper you and not harm you plans to give you hope Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, Steve Jobs said, Those who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who can. Mm -hmm. So I want us to take ownership of our destiny, and that's what I had to do. We need to partner with God, and that's what I had to do, and I needed to fulfill my destiny according to his riches and glory, and that's what I'm asking you today. You see, according to Philippians 4 and 19, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. So we go to church. We go to church to be renewed. We go to, church, we go to school for professional development and all of those wonderful workshops, We go to be re-energized, and then we go on vacation to be revitalized. But I am here today to ask you, let's revive prayer in our communities. Today, I'm here to ask for your support to start a true mentoring program. I do not wish for any child to grow up in darkness like me. I want every child to have a Christian adult to speak to him or her freely and unconditionally. You see, I was a perfect example of a little girl with a church family but had no church future. Mm. You see, I was just like the youth in the back and my son. We went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. As a matter of fact, we walked two and a half miles to Bible class, and then we walked two and a half miles back. Wow. Didn't matter the time change, we still walked. I played uh, the piano in church. I taught Sunday school in the church. I was in a youth choir. I was a district officer in my church. See, church wasn't the problem with my life. I just didn't have that relationship with an adult to say, okay, look, this is okay. So I want what's best for these kids. I do not want any kid to grow up with burdens on their shoulders that's unnecessary because God put us in places so that we can help each other. We can help these young people. So I want to thank you for all that you do for the kids here in the community, in the Anderson community, in Lauderdale County, and all those other places that you help. So at the beginning of the year, we give kids clothes. Am I right? We give them all school clothes, and we give them all the things that they need. But what about at Christmas, when they've grown out of those summer clothes? We need to remember those kids. School supplies. We have donations everywhere. And I totally believe in that, because there are kids who do not have school supplies, parents who simply cannot afford it. Even though we're in a public school system, it still takes money. But do you realize that school supplies are consumables? By Christmas, our kids need more paper, more pencils, more highlights, more pens. Think about those things. See, everyone has a school back-to-school supply drive. But in January, you don't hear about it, and those kids struggle. And they say, I don't have a pen, I don't have a pencil. In the wintertime, here in the area, let's give those kids not only coats, hats, and gloves, but watch the kid that gets on the bus. The kid that's in our neighborhoods that are still wearing long pants and long sleeve shirts because they don't have anything. Make sure they have flip-flops. Shorts and things to wear as of right now. For the holidays, what do we do? We give all of our families turkeys and hams, and we give them all the ingredients to make that awesome Thanksgiving dinner. But do you know that more than three-fourths of the homeless families do not have stoves to cook that ham, to cook that turkey? And if they do have stoves, the oven doesn't work. It's only the outlets at the top that work, so they can't bake that ham in our given there's another side of reality and i'll share two stories with you and students i know that you can certainly relate to these stories and they're true stories so we had a young lady who was very she was seeking attention um this is a young lady that um, was missing school quite a bit and as educators we need you to be at school in order to teach you it's just a part of the equation. If you're there, we teach you, you learn, okay? Um, she was not coming to school. So we sent a um, social worker out to her, car, or to her home, and she was living with her uh, grandfather. Now, let me give you um, a little history there, so if you'll just press pause. This was a young lady that is a twin, but her mother, her birth mother, took the other twin... And they live in South Alabama, and left this twin with her grandmother. The grandmother died and left her with her husband. You follow me? Wow. It's hard, but yeah. So the father, that grandfather that she's living with is not her does not share a bloodline. She was missing. So he we went to the, uh, the, the, the grandfather, and he was doing the best that he can in his defense. Um, but, you know, kids, you, you have your grandparents wrapped around your finger, we, you, you get what you want. And, um, and she did. She was not going to school, so we sent the police officer out there along with the, research, or the social worker and said, hey, look, you got to come to school. He said, yes, we'll get her to school. And then we said, well, you can't miss any more days unless you have a doctor's excuse. Fair enough, right? Then she started going to the doctor's office, getting doctor's excuses. Then I said, "Okay, you can't do that anymore." Uh, then, well, she started doing that, and then she started checking out. Because I said, "You can't check out. You can't check in anymore." So she thought, "Great, I'll check out." <laughs> so then she started checking out every day, and I called the grandfather. I said, "Sir, she's missing too many days. I want her to graduate. She needs to be at school. And in order to check out, you have to come to my office, the central, superintendent's office, to check her out." So finally, I I partnered with her pastor, and I said, so we gotta do something. And they loved her, her church loved her. Everyone in her church loved her. And she was very active with the youth group. So we couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And to this day, I can't tell you that we figured it out, but we've partnered her with a mentor. She just needs someone to be there to love her. Her grandfather, I know, just like my mother, loved me, and he loves her, He didn't know how to show it. He was going through the emotions. This child was looking for more attention. We got her back in school. She was actually in summer school. She missed one day of summer school. And now she's back, and she's back on target, I'm praying. One more example. We have a young man who had it together, had mother, father, had older sibling. Both parents were working. They were doing what they were supposed to do for their child. But he was certainly the child that had issues. One of his issues was drugs. Parents would not believe that he was doing drugs. We had a um, the drug dogs come in one of our schools. The drug the dogs searched all the cars. And if you've never seen drug dogs, they just kind of walk around. And if they suspect something, they stop and they sniff and then they bark. They stopped at his car and they barked. We called the kid, we called the parents, Say, Okay, look, this is what's going on. And do you know that the parents blamed the school? Brain the administrators. Here's what it was, that kid had the perfect parents, had the perfect setup, but he didn't have anyone to talk to. He didn't have anyone to say, look, I'm troubled, I'm doing drugs, and he couldn't tell his parents because guess what? The parents believed what he was saying, and he was saying, mom and dad, that's not mine. I don't do drugs, mom and dad. Even though he was uh, kicked off um, all athletic teams for doing drugs and he didn't get the scholarship that he well deserved, but because of his drug activities, he could not get that scholarship. But yet his mom and dad said, look, that's not my baby. That's not my child. That child needs someone to talk to. Here's my plan. I'm giving you an open door invitation, the mentors to come into our schools break bread with our students over lunch, fellowship with them. And initially, we will refer kids to our mentors. These are the kids that we've defined as our most endangered kids, be it the little girl that I was talking about, the young man that I was talking about, or people like me. We want to refer them to a mentor. You sit down in the cafeteria and you have lunch with them and you start talking with them. Not preaching to them, just talking to them. And initially the conversation will be awkward, but just like any other conversations, the more you have, the more freely it begins to flow. And those kids will talk to you. And then we'll have kids who do self-referrals. I want every kid to have access to this opportunity. No kid. Is exempt from pain, Mm. from hurt, nor defeat. Every kid deserves the very best. I'll give you an example and we'll go straight home. Our son here, MJ, to me, MJ has the perfect life. He has an awesome mom. Yay, me. (laughs) (laughs) He has an awesome daddy. We both work. You know, we're educated, we don't spoil him, we do have high expectations of him. He has to work, he volunteers, he has to clean up his room, he's takes out the trash, all of the above, he's required to do it. So do you think his life is easy? Absolutely not. Have you ever been the child of the superintendent? <laughs> have you ever been the child of the principal? At the same time? So even he has to accept his teenage crap. Can I say crap? (laughs) And look, his, then he has to take mama's, then he has to take daddy's. So don't you think that he could benefit from someone just sitting and talking and saying, hey, look, man, it's hard. My mom just implemented a new attendance policy and all my friends are mad at me. (laughs) Then he has a little girl who's saying, look, I'm going to be absent. Don't you have your mama call a social worker on me? Things like that. Every kid, every kid deserves someone that they can talk to unconditionally in an environment that they feel comfortable in. No kid is exempt from hurt defeat or pain, mm. no matter what they may look like on the outside. So I humbly ask you, when you go into your budget, think about those kids who need that one-on-one, that counseling, that mentoring in their school. And as you're looking at your mission budget, I'm just just—I'm throwing out a number here, but look at it, maybe carve out $200 a, a, a month. That's $2,400 a year to add to this mentoring program for eight schools with 2,463 kids that they all can be served. Every kid deserves to be served. So, Gail, what's your final outcome? What do you want? My final outcome when this works. I want all students, all students, to graduate life-ready, mentally and healthily, engaging, and born-again warriors for Jesus Christ.
0: Come
1: on. That's it. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science, folks. We must wake up and we must take action. Help is needed right now in our back doors. I do understand the Great Commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations. But have you ever thought that Jesus said our nation starts right here? Jesus said our nations could possibly start across the river. Jesus said our nations could start right here with our kids. John F. Kennedy, in his inaugural address, January 20th, 1961, he stated, and so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mm -hmm. Folks, I'm asking you today, what can we do? You see, God ordered our steps, but our stride is up to us. So don't believe the hype. As you can see, and I've told you about the stats for me, but they got it wrong, boys and girls. They got it all wrong. I'm here to tell you, don't let stats determine your future. Mom and dad, don't let stats define your students' future. Community members, don't let stats define your Community kids. Mm. Now, there's some, there some, some good in those numbers, but it doesn't have to be. No. It doesn't have to be. There's nothing special about me. Nothing special about me. It's by the grace of God that I'm here today. Amen. That's it. That is it. Mm. If you knew the rest of my story, you will be crying with me. Mm. Because God has brought a little girl from nowhere to witness publicly for him. And it's not easy. It is not easy. So God has a plan for each of our kids to be their very best. The Great Commission by Steve Moore said, it is, the Great Commission is too big for anyone to accomplish alone and too important not to do it together. I'll leave you with this. And John Wesley told us, you have one business on earth, That is to save souls. Hmm. That's it. My name is Gail Satchel, and I'm here to serve these kids. Thank you. God is good he's good all the time and we just got to believe him and I'm here to tell you boys and girls if you're going through something right now adults grab somebody talk to them because you don't deserve to go through anything for 30 years and not tell anybody it's a heavy burden but when God tells you to tell your story he wants you to tell your story some days I feel like I'm Moses, and I had all the excuses out there not to give my testimony. But he said, no, Gail, I want you to tell it. So if I tell you that if I can tell my story, that I want you to listen to those kids' stories. Yes. Help those kids. They deserve so much more. They don't have to be in front of a church audience At the age of 50, telling their story when they can tell it at 15, 13, 14, 17. God is good. All the time. And He's putting us in places so that we can help our future. There's no reason why we can't. There's no reason why we can't. God is good to us. Let us be good to our future. Thank Thank you.
0: Well, God delivered as promised. Amen. What a powerful, powerful testimony. And you may be thinking, with all that you've heard, what can I do? What can I do? It's actually a lot of things you can do. First of all, as a church family, we're going to be talking about it further this evening. But we would like to make this pilot program part of our mission budget here at Bethel. We're not talking about an uh, overwhelmingly extravagant amount of money. We're talking about a, a monthly amount that will continue to support uh, a director for this organization that will provide the mentors for not only Culbert County Schools, but what's going to happen is, is Lauderdale County is going to get a glimpse of the success of what's going on in Culbert County and guess what they're going to want? They're going to want that themselves, amen? So the vision is not uh, focused just in one area. It can actually be so beyond what we can ask or imagine. Uh, it can certainly come here to our doorstep. So uh, we will, as a church, vote to make that a part of our budget. But you may very well find that you are one of the mentors that Dr. Satchel was talking about. Amen? Amen. God has uh, blessed you. He has uh, ordained you as a child of God, as a man of God, as a daughter of God. And maybe you don't think you have the skills, but you do. And uh, you will be provided training. Uh, many of you remember Anthony Potts from Show Save a Life and Holland, Holland, uh, who will actually be here next week uh, to lead music for us. Uh, they will actually be training our mentors so that they don't go in just winging it, they're going to go in actually, you know, ready to, to mentor and make a difference. Uh, the mentors will be paired up with uh, the at-risk students, not at random, not just drawn from a hat, but by their interests and by their priorities and by their personalities. And I'm sure that it will be men to men and, and ladies to ladies. And uh, so what I want you to do right now is to what? Pray. Very good. Pray. This organization doesn't even have a name yet. I mean, we are, I mean, it, but it's already catching root. It's already growing and it, God is using Dr. Satchel to, to make a difference in the, the body of Christ. And so I just want you to pray right now. And uh, like I said, we're going to go ahead and make provisions this evening if the church is willing to go ahead and set aside uh, some of our local missions budget for this purpose. Uh, but you know what? The need is going to Continue. Uh, not just financially, but for you to use the gifts that God has given you. And so I pray that you will pray and uh, that you'll pray for Dr. Satchel, that you'll pray for uh, Anthony and Steventon as they begin to formulate these ministers. But you know what? Uh, This service today was all for the glory of God. I think that you you would agree with that. Amen. But you know what? You may have some of the very issues that Dr. Satchel has. I can tell you that your pastor has some of the very same past that as a teenager in my youth group, I was molested. And for the first time, I've shared that with you in 12 years. But for three years, I was molested by my youth pastor at church where that's not supposed to happen. And, but I can tell you by the grace of God, I stand before you as a, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to make sure that that never in my power has had to happen again to another young person, amen? So if I've got that story, Dr. Satchel's got that story, I know that many of you have that story and stories like it, and we can make a difference in our youth. So today, this invitation is so multifaceted, I can't begin to put my finger on it. First of all, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that he has gifted you, I want to invite you to become a part of the kingdom of God. I want to invite you to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Secondly, if you're already part of the body of Christ, you're already a child of God. You're already part of the family. I want you to realize afresh that God wants to use you for his glory. It may just be by telling your story. It may just be by opening your ears and listening to a person. It may be by uh, accepting this invitation. I mean, how many times have we said, oh, man, if we could just get into schools. Here we got a wide open invitation. Come into my schools. And I'm telling you that once it's seen, it will grow. It will be very contagious. So maybe you've realized I need to use the gifts that God's given me. I need to use my story for God's glory. I want to invite you to make a public profession that you're going to do that today. So uh, maybe as a church you just want to come and pray. Whatever the case is, whatever decision you want to make, I want to invite you to listen to the Spirit of God. Listen as he whispers to you and accept the invitation that God is offering you this morning. Let us pray.